Tuesday we will celebrate our nation's 247th birthday. And this Sunday before the 4th of July has always been called Freedom and Democracy Sunday. So what should we talk about? Well, in a year where politics and political gridlock continue to dominate the headlines, in a year where campaigning for the next presidential election has already taken off with a lot of horses in the race, in a world where politicians in power create more conflict between nations than the citizens want, i.e. Ukraine situation, and in an age where most people seem to have lost their sense of humor, let's talk about politicians and see if I can loosen up your sense of humor. It's been said that politicians are the same all over. They promise to build a bridge even where there is no river. Politicians are people, when they see the light at the end of the tunnel, they go out and buy more tunnel. How many politicians does it take to change a light bulb? Two, one to change the bulb and the other to put it back again. When I was in college, I was an English major and I learned about prefixes and suffixes, you know, like pro and con, and uh, that the opposite of pro is con. Therefore, can we assume that the opposite of progress is Congress? <laughs> oh, you're getting with it now. Okay, that's good. Somebody once suggested that congressmen ought to wear uniforms like the NASCAR drivers do, so that you can tell who are their corporate sponsors. <laughs> Did you hear about the new presidential meal at McDonald's? You order what you want and the person that comes after you has to pay for it. I heard a guy say, two years ago, my brother ran for Congress. And I said, oh yeah, I said, what's he doing now? He said, nothing, he got elected. And here's the one that is going to get me in trouble. But you got to say it carefully. Some, they say some politicians, notice I said some, I didn't say all. Some politicians are like diapers. They need changing regularly and for the same reason. So I'll see if I get in trouble. Every time I tell a kind of joke, I get in trouble. Uh, as we celebrate the 4th of July, I think we should remember what the Bible says to us, that Christians are to be good citizens of their country. We read in Romans 13, our scripture this morning, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Or in Titus chapter 3, it says, remind them to be subjects to rulers and authorities. So good Christians are to be good citizens. 
But we cannot be good citizens of America or the world or even the kingdom of God if our lifestyles, our priorities, our choices are, are contributing to the deterioration and the decline of America rather than to our continued greatness. <clears throat> President Theodore Roosevelt said back in 1917, the things that will destroy America are prosperity at any price, safety first instead of duty first, the love of soft living, and the get rich quick theory of life. Something else that has haunted me ever since I first read it some 40 some years ago, and every 4th of July I think of it clearly, but it said that about the time that our nation was born, there was a professor writing about the fall of Athens, and he made the following comments about the survival of a democracy. He said, a democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until the voters discover that they can vote themselves largesse from the public treasury. And from that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates promising the most benefits from the public treasury, with the result that a democracy always collapses over loose fiscal policy, always followed by a dictatorship. That professor went on to describe the cycles or the stages that civilizations go through. And I often think of these, and when I hear them again, I, I kind of compare them to the history of America and, and what we have been and are going through. Uh, he said civilizations progress through the following sequences, from bondage to spiritual faith. Our founding fathers wanted a nation where people would be free to worship as they wanted. From spiritual faith to great courage, the American Revolution. From courage to liberty. From liberty to abundance. From abundance to selfishness. From selfishness to complacency. From complacency to apathy. From apathy to dependency. And from dependency back again into bondage. So you could say that wealth, prosperity, luxury, building bigger buildings, bigger houses, these things may be the results of the greatness of America and that what America has made possible, but they're not the causes of America's greatness. In fact, you could even say, you might say they are a liability. So the question is, what is it that has made this nation great? And what is it that we must make sure we protect and preserve if America is to continue to be great? And I was thinking this morning about how we need to be reminded of these things regularly. And then I thought about how on the 4th of July weekend, 
you know, it's become more of a, a vacation weekend or go to the lake or somewhere weekend. And if people aren't in churches, they don't get reminded of the things that I'm talking about this morning. But David Rubenstein, a self-made billionaire who is also the co-founder and co-chairman of the Carlisle Groups, one of the world's largest and most successful investment firms. He's also chairman of the board of trustees of the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts and the Council of Foreign Relations. He's one of the original signers of the Giving Pledge, which is an agreement among the world's wealthiest people that they will give away the majority of their wealth to philanthropic causes. But most important for us today, Rubenstein is a proud American who is very grateful for everything this nation stands for. And recently, he has written a book entitled The American Experiment. And in the book, he describes the qualities and characteristics, the genes he calls them, or I would call them the DNA, on which our nation was founded, which we must continue to protect and preserve if our future is to continue as the leading nation of the world. These beliefs and practices have been and will be continued to be challenged. They've been challenged from the very beginning. They continue to be challenged today, as you will see. But we must protect and preserve them. But it's this, it's DNA itself, these characteristics that have enabled our country to survive so many challenges to freedom and democracy throughout our history, including the Civil War, Jim Crow laws, the Great Depression, World War II, Civil Rights Movement, Vietnam, Watergate, 9-11, and most recently, January the 6th, 2021. So what are these key genes on which America has been established and which we need to continue to protect and preserve? Now, he names 13 of them. Uh, the first gene he mentions is democracy. And those who drafted our Constitution gave this country a republic, a form of representative democracy. Our founding fathers abhorred rule by a king or a dictator. Now, we have to admit democracy is not a perfect form of government, but it's the best thing we have found in the world so far. The second DNA gene, according to Rubenstein, is voting. A democracy is meaningful only if the citizens have the right to vote and only if they exercise that right to vote. He points out that these key genes have not yet been perfectly established, and that's true. It's still an American experiment. We're still working at it because we have not perfected it by any means. And so, for example, when uh, America got its freedom, it was only the white male landowners who were allowed to vote. And across the years, other voting rights have been established and are still being protected today. 
So what I'm saying is that America continues to work at perfecting these ideals on which our nation has been founded. As important as the right to vote is to our nation, Rubenstein points out how we do not have the best voting record in the world today. According to him, Americans who are voting a, of voting age historically vote at a smaller percentage than citizens in other Western democracies. In the hotly contested 2020 presidential election, just under 62% of the eligible voters in this country actually voted. In previous presidential elections, it's always been about 55%. While in other Western democracies like Denmark and Sweden, for example, voting turnout is about 80% historically. A third American DNA gene is equality. Now, it means, equality to me means that everyone has equal opportunity and rights, even if they don't have equal wealth or education or capability. This equality we all share includes equal before, for, equal before the law, equal protection from the law, equal protection from discrimination, and equal rights to vote, equal right to a fair trial, to government services, to gainful employment, to housing, to medical care, and so forth. Again, even 247 years later, we're, we're still working to perfect this equality for every American, because today there are still those among us who don't have those equal rights. DNA number four is freedom of speech. And maybe this is the most important of all our freedoms. The courts in our country typically prohibit only that kind of speech that might endanger our nation's security or the safety of individuals in this republic. But our freedom of speech is really being put to a new test today with all of this textbook banning. DNA number five, freedom of religion. This means freedom to practice the religion of your choice or even no religion at all. It means also freedom from being controlled by any religion. When it comes to religion, there are two things that I'd like to say. First of all, we need to be careful about saying that America was founded as a Christian nation. There is a big difference between a nation that is founded when most of its citizens were Christians and thus based on Christian principles. There's a difference between that and saying that a nation was founded to be explicitly and exclusively a Christian nation. Important difference there. And the second thing I want to say about religion has to do with this popular saying in recent years that people are spiritual but not religious. Or, I believe in God but I'm not a part of any church. Being spiritual has to do with your personal relationship with God, your awareness of God, your sense of God's presence 
in your life. Religion, on the other hand, has to do with the structures or the orderliness or the regular practices and daily disciplines that enhance our experience of God. And this includes such things as, as prayer and Bible reading and worship, fellowship, the Lord's Supper, and so on. Now, I would be the first person to say that there are many aspects of religion that are man-made and thus they can be twisted and go awry. And this is why a lot of people have dropped out of church. Many people have dropped out of going to church because they've been turned off by what they've heard. And I would be the first one to say, I get it, I agree with you. But the fact still remains that we cannot have a deep spiritual life without regular religious practices. So I'd be the first one to tell you to get rid of bad theology, bad creeds and bad doctrines, but I'd never tell you to stop praying or reading scripture or enjoying close community with other Christians. DNA number six, the rule of law. I don't know how any nation or even any city or town could survive very long without the rule of law. Now, while the courts and the legislatures in our country are far from perfect in their decision-making, they still bring a sense of stability to this country that is so very important. DNA number seven, separation of powers. The writers of the Constitution intentionally set up a division of power between the legislative, executive, and judicial branches of government so that no one branch would have too much power. DNA number eight, civilian control of the military and the peaceful transfer of power. The fact that the president is the commander in chief of the military is clearly intended to subject the military to civilian control. And this greatly diminishes the prospect of a military coup as we see happening in so many other countries around the world. DNA number nine, capitalism and entrepreneurship. Like democracy itself, capitalism is not perfect, but it is the best economic system for benefiting the most people. Of course, it has a downside. One of the downside is that it can produce some extremely wealthy people while others are very poor. And the income gap between the very rich and even the average worker becomes undesirable. The only hope for improving that is a sense of compassion in which the very rich don't keep it all to themselves, but share with the less fortunate, like the giving pledge I mentioned earlier, although Jesus mentioned it a lot earlier than anyone else. To quickly finish Rubenstein's American Genes, number 10 is immigration which relates to number 11, which is diversity. 
which is affecting number 12, which is culture. Our country is rapidly changing. Not only do today's immigrants come from a different part of the world than our original immigrants came from, but they're also bringing with them a much more diverse culture. By 2045, our country will no longer uh, be a majority of non-white Hispanic people. Excuse me. No longer a majority of non-Hispanic white people is what I meant to say. For, for some, that's fearful. For others, that's exciting. But either way, we are learning how to live our way into this new diversity. And like all these other American genes I have mentioned, they didn't start out perfect, but they continue to develop as the years go by. And lastly, the 13th and final gene that Rubenstein mentions is the American dream. It has always been the belief that anybody through integrity and hard work can rise from the bottom to the top. Just ask any of the immigrants at our southern border if they believe in the American dream, and they will clearly say yes, whether all Americans believe in it or not. But if we can remember these 13 genes, this American DNA, as I like to call it, and if we will work to protect and preserve these things, then we can join the majority of our fellow citizens, including myself, who believe that America's best years lie ahead of us. Happy birthday to the United States of America.